Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast of the best shows on TV, and I'm Cash. And I'm Larissa. And we are back at it with some Mr. Robot. And I gotta say, this was a fantastic episode. Yeah, I really I really like the direction that they're going. They're doing a killer job mid-season. Oh yeah. Well, the name of the episode was Master Slaves. And uh, you're, you're acting like a little bit of a slave over there to the medicine. Oh my god. Okay. So, let's forewarn everybody out there um i've got some wonderful allergy induced asthma happening because of texas and uh i am all hopped up on antihistamines right now so if i if i have some cute breathing happening just know that i'm not that excited i just can't breathe very well. she is that excited because it's a great episode but she's also on what i'm referring to them as currently as peds little performance enhancer drugs but hey dedication we are all about Guys, that here I- I'm I'm as dedicated to get this podcast to y'all as the Russians were to get into the Olympics. Ooh, yikes! So. Shot <laughs> so at the Russians. For I love it. But as we were saying, the name of the episode is Master Slaves, and this is one of the best openings I've seen in a long, long time. And this so is hilarious. after, you know, ten episodes of The Preacher, which everyone, if you ever listen to our podcast on The Preacher, you know how much we love those openings. But I was cracking up the entire time. And I don't know if we had the same commercials or not, but they even reached into the old vault of USA commercials and were giving me some of those. And I yeah, was they had like the internet and then Bud Light. Yeah, the Bud Light one where they're jumping through the fire ring or something. Oh yeah. God. Touch my soul. And I, it's so funny because it's so um it's so out of time because, of course, you have the one about the internet, which obviously is like what. But the one about the Bud Light, where it's like you shouldn't have to jump through hoops to get a Bud Light. I'm like, why would anyone struggle to get a Bud Light because they're everywhere? But I guess they weren't. Yeah, you know, something years ago. I wasn't really allowed to drink then. You know, I was barely even drinking out of a sippy cup at that point in time. So I'm not was, sure the availability of well, you're still a twinkle. I might not have been alive. Yeah, you, you might have just been a twinkle in someone's I eye. I think I was alive. Oh, man. <laughs> Whew. Anyway. Yeah! <laughs> no, but I mean, before that, so... And was this uh, the Al Bundy show that they were like kind of ripping off? Married with I Children? Mean, it felt very Married with Children-ish. I, I actually thought about that, like, married with children on a, on a road trip. Yeah. And um, I think the only uh, difference is that they kind of switch the wife and husband personalities because, you know, in Married with Children, she's kind of the one that's like, yeah, let's do it. And <laughs> husband's like, ouch. One thing I love about that show, he never wants to have sex. He's always like, well, <laughs> if I have to. And he's she's like trapping him. But anyway. So much so, greatness yeah. about that show. <laughs> so I think that that was flip-flops, but it makes sense with, you know, the characters in this show. Like, it would be that way. Yeah, and just, like, how happy, like, how much, like, light that they were flooding into this. Like, we we're talking, we've been talking about the lighting of the episodes and everything. And here we're outside, we have natural light, and then they're in the convertible. And then you just have Darlene sitting there on an old-school Game Boy, which was great to see. I remember playing so Tetris. I remember playing Tetris on that bad boy. And oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Greatest, greatest game ever. Not really, but it's up there. I, uh, it kind of reminded me of, like, 
have you ever seen those weird YouTube videos, like, don't hug me, I'm scared? Yeah. Okay, so you know how, like, it starts off really happy, but there's something really ominous about it? Mm-hmm. And, of course, it just, like, shit hits the fan in those. But I felt very similarly with this because, you know, Elliot knows something's wrong. He's seeing himself being beat up in, like, the rearview mirror and in her Game Boy and stuff like that. So it's, like, it feels off while it's, like, so, like, the happiness feels ominous. Which is always, like, a really interesting, fun dynamic. You feel happy, but you don't necessarily feel good. You don't trust it. Yeah. You don't trust the happiness. Because Elliot, oh, I just, Elliot never trusts his own happiness. You know, every time he's happy, he's like, I'm just waiting for the world to explode. And that's literally what this is, even in his subconscious. Yeah, I mean, that's when he starts talking to us. He's like, hey, why aren't y'all telling me? Like, what's going on that y'all haven't told me about? I tell you everything. And he didn't come out and talk to us, but we were still waiting for that rug to be pulled. And it got pulled a few different ways for him. You know, we, after this entire scene goes down, because, I mean, not a whole lot really happens during this weird opening scene. Just the fact that we kind of learn that Mr. Robot, a.k.a. his subconscious dad, is really just trying to help him. You know, well, that... Well, yeah, and I think, I think, um, what I loved about this opening is, you know, we had, we show that they're a dysfunctional family. Like, we still have Darlene being super subversive the mom punches her out like four <laughs> times um they kill gideon as the cop so it's like oh that was so are, funny like even though happy things are happening it's replaying his subconscious fears yeah and it's like it's sad that that's the best cover-up he can do but i loved i love what i loved about this episode is i gotta talk about the end not in depth but real quick it bookends Because the beginning is, like, his imagined view of protecting himself, where it's the family and it's all happy-go-lucky and blah, blah, blah. And then the end is the actual car ride with his father that changed his life. Yeah. So, it beautiful. Especially because that last scene, all full of light, all hopeful, all wonderful, it was shot like a standard drama. As he's sitting there rocking the black eye from hell. I was just waiting for like a piece of steak to land on his face. It was so battered and bruised. Right. Oh, God, he's he's so messed up. (sighs) uh, But how are you feeling about the dead body that they had in the uh, weird happy scenes? That Elliot's like, I can see it. Are we acting like this isn't here? He's like, what are you talking about? But help me pick it up. Oh, you mean Tyrell in the trunk? Yeah, yeah, I guess Tyrell wasn't dead in the scene. I don't know. Well, they, I'm pretty sure they kill him at yeah. some point. But, um, I mean, it was nice to see that actor again, if only fake, and if only for a second. It was like, hey, how <laughs> you doing, Tyrell? You know? Um, I think that it was just, like, the whole opening... Was great. Was great because it was so cerebral. Like, it was literally Elliot's last-ditch chance to protect himself and all of these fears and all of these like wonders and all of his doubts just slip in anyway. Like you still have his mom being abusive. You still have his dad lying to him. You still have his sister, uh, not respecting him. You still have Tyrell, not really like he's a mystery still even like, why is he in the trunk? And you still have his guilt over Gideon's death. So it's like, it's all there. Do you think it was interesting that we didn't have any Ray? No. 
But we had plenty of Ray. In the real world. As soon as he wakes up, you know, we have Ray in the hospital. And he hit me with probably the hardest thing I've ever heard in my life. So savage. The old talking about his dog. And when the dog realized that she was depending on a master. And that she was not really living on her own free will. And he didn't know what hit her worse, the worms or that realization. Like what killed her first. And then it was the fact that he was telling that story to Elliot to tell Elliot that he's Elliot's master to go with it. And I was just like, my God, this is just complete savagery. It was such a perfect way to tell him without telling him because like, the I own you speech is kind of like the there is no God speech. Yeah. It happens in every drama. And, and I mean, they'd so, already done the there is no God speech in this season. Exactly. So it's like, at this point, it's not what are they going to do new? It's how are they going to do it new? And so, you know, it, it, they took this speech. And especially since we kind of lost a little bit of respect for Ray in the last episode for using brute force. And then he comes back again with the very smart mind control. Yeah. I like. I thought this hit home a lot harder than the necessary brute force approach. But now, I'm not sure if we could have gotten this without the brute force approach. Well, especially since, you know, we have Ray beating him up, but also healing him. It may not be the best conditions, but he didn't just leave him there to die. He, he knew he was going to beat him up. To put him in this controlled situation where Elliot is not only depending on Ray to stay alive once he's better, but staying alive literally currently. Yeah, Ray's putting himself in a very powerful situation that I think could come back and haunt him very easily once Elliot makes a decision on what he wants to do. But, I mean, I I also loved... um, Elliot wasn't as heavy... Like, in the real world, obviously, in this episode. Because he's still recovering. Yeah, this wasn't a very Elliot-heavy-based episode. But before we jump off of him, I want to ask you really quick. Do you think that Ray makes it past this season? I don't think so. Mostly because of who that actor is. You think he's a little too big for the show? Not that he's too big for the show, but just that he's always kind of got something going on. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the kind of thing where he signed on for one season to and do it. I mean, I don't know if he signed on for just one season or anything, but I don't feel like he's going to make it past this season, and I'm very okay with that. Not that he's doing a bad job at all, but I think he's he was... Kinda like He's kind of like Fisk in Daredevil, where he burns hard and burns bright and then burns out. Oh, I don't think that at all with Fisk at all. I, I well, absolutely love Fisk. No, like season two was weird, but oh, I disagree wholeheartedly. <laughs> you can find out my opinions on our Daredevil podcast through the show. Oh, oh I know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, neither one of us thinks that Ray's going to make it through the end of this season. I just don't know how he's going to. I don't know if he's going to die or just kind of be written off or go to jail or whatnot. Uh, I haven't been able to think on it too hard yet. I would not put it past Mr. Robot because they do often fall into the cliche pit of just killing him somehow. I don't think he's... Ultimately, I think he might end up being framed for the entire uh, hack of the world. 
Because someone always has to go to jail. And what better than to give him to Dom and Silk Road so that he can go free. Okay. Like, Ray becomes a bargaining chip, in a sense. That's smart. And and it would effectively get rid of him and effectively kind of keep... I can see that, like, him being blamed for it, but her not believing it, and that's kind of what carries over into season three. Yeah. But before we jump away from Elliot, uh, one of my favorite moments of this whole episode was at the very end, and I actually teared up when um, Mr. Robot's talking to him, and he's like... I can you see now why I did it I really just wanted to protect you and it's like his first genuine fatherly moment really where it's not straight up twisted it's like hey I know you were suffering so I gave you these pictures and then Elliot hugs him yeah no, and I mean says, thank you it reminded me a lot of the uh in back in season one where they were sitting on the boardwalk and they were sitting on the rail and, like, you just had these heartfelt emotions and stuff. But then it ends because Mr. Robot pushes him off the boardwalk. And instead... Go ahead. But instead of, you know, just, like, that happy ending. Like, I mean, I felt the same emotions. Except at the end, there was actual genuine happiness. And we felt like Mr. Robot was actually helping Elliot instead of trying to take control of the body. It's the first time I've believed a break in Mr. Robot's composure. Okay. Because I think he does it to kind of like make a point or to mess with Elliot or whatever. But I think he, that's like the one moment where I believed that there was this genuine care and that asked that, that raises so many questions, you know, because is that Elliot starting to love himself or it's just it's so it's such a strange dynamic because you know at this point Mr. Robot's his own person us even though he's not. Yeah, uh, I don't know if Elliot's starting to love himself yet, just because this would be a really situ weird situation for him to start loving himself, and so I find it hard to be that. I think that's it, why it's confusing to me. I think it's more of just he realizes that he needs to accept Mr. Robot more. In a sense, if he wants to get out of this alive and back into a position of power. Well, I think that's fair because all the decisions that Elliot made that led him to this point were because he ignored Mr. Robot. Yeah, I mean, if he's not doing anything involved with the hacking and he's trying to make a decision, it's just not it's, working out. It's not good. And so he needs to start not necessarily relinquishing some of these controls, but just taking some of Mr. Robot's input in the real world so he can try to get into a better position and a better state of mind. Yeah. So he can get back to doing what he's doing. He's best at, and that's going to be, to me, part of the season one stuff where he was taking down bad guys and almost being a vigilante in the cyber world. Yeah, because we did go away from that for a while. I mean, for a while, it's been this entire season and a couple episodes last season. And I mean, that was one of the things that drew me into the show. Well, it's like, okay. <laughs> I know you haven't watched Supernatural, but maybe some people out there have. And there's this thing where Supernatural, for the first couple seasons, their formula was like the monster of the week. Yeah. And so the show was very episodic. And then, season three, it became very serial, and it became about, like, the big bad or the big thing. 
And now that we're in season six (laughs) that I'm currently on, we're back to that kind of monster of the week formula because I think they realized that people missed it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's kind of the same thing with Mr. Robot where it was kind of episodic initially and then it became very serial because we wanted to, you know, do that ultimate hack and maybe we're moving more towards an episodic structure for Elliot. I mean, I can see that, but I just viewed this. I saw like his vigilanteism, his taking down a bad guy was a very Dexter kind of quality to where like he needed that to be able to get away and to just itch that Mr. Robot voice, you know, instead of being the killer, this cured him of Mr. Robot. And so that's how I was viewing it throughout but the first he's season. Not, well, he's not, Elliot's not a malicious human. No, but I mean, he's not physically attacking these people or anything. And you could see that he enjoyed the work that he was doing when he was taking down the bad guys. I mean, he said it felt like being God. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but what else can you say there? I can definitely see it being very difficult tying that into this season, this almost post-apocalyptic world. Where it's even kind of tough to imagine that we still have the internet, in all honesty. I think the deep web would be fine. I mean, electricity, getting the things ran to those things. I mean, there's not a lot of money floating around. What do you think would be our version of Evil Corp? Oh, I mean, A, the Rothschilds, B, the Rothschilds, and C, the Rothschilds. (laughs) So if they were to suddenly, if everything they owned were to suddenly go gone... There'd be nothing. They own every country bank. Like So then, you know, do you think this show is accurate, accurately reflecting what our world would look like? No, I think it would be a lot worse. I mean, everything would, there would be no supply and demand, really. We well, would have no currency. We would be straight bargaining. And they show that, in the, and I think the first episode did a really good job of setting up that the world was like that, and then they just kind of gave up on showing that. Because in the first episode, you know, you have that take where you see people setting up booths and bargaining. Yeah, but I mean, like, I don't think... Where, where it lost me was, they were still able to come up with, what, $5.6 million or something? Like, that wouldn't... The banks wouldn't have been able to give them that money in cash. Like, they, they wouldn't have had that money. Yeah, I agreed. I I was agreeing with that when uh, they were talking to their lawyer, Mm -hmm. and she said, that's pocket change to us, and I thought they were going to get it from, like, some overseas banks and put it together and give it to them, but then when it became about lending, I was, then I, yeah, I agree with you, then I was like, but why would they have any? Yeah, like, but I mean, outside of that, I, I think they're doing a pretty good job, but I mean, they're still... So much traveling. Like, I mean, the FBI just flew to China. Like, I mean, that that's a lot of money. That's a lot of air fuel and things like that. And but, I think I remember a shot of a plane with the E-Corp logo on it. Which, they're bankrupt. You know, E-Corp has nothing. Yeah. You know, except for they're still... They, I mean, they still have power, but they don't have money. Yeah. But... So... I don't know. Speaking of Evil Corp, Angela! Great episode for Angela. Really loved everything that they did with her. And they actually, I believe, 
had your favorite scene of the entire season so far. That was pretty exciting. So I don't know if everybody noticed, but from uh, the beginning of the hack where Angela's sitting at her desk, not the very, very beginning. Yeah. But when she's sitting at her desk until she bends down to go under the desk to do the modem because they have like a black fade. So that wasn't quite, you know, that was considered is considered an edit. That was one shot. Yeah, and I recently just watched that entire scene again because I didn't notice it the first time and he told me about it. And that completely changed the scene for me. I'm not going to lie. It, it brought me back to kind of the joy of the first time I watched Birdman. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't tw- I was 20 minutes in before I was like, wait, this has been one shot. And it was kind of like, if, if it's done, so, like, for me as a filmmaker, if it can be done in one shot, it should be. That's what I think. Yeah. So when it's done so well like this, like, not like not just the blocking, not just the performances, the pauses. You know, like, the, the other actors had to do their lines. And the Angela, Angela had so many awkward long pauses to where she was just staring off into the sunset. And I was just like, how is this guy still standing there talking to her? Because she's hot. Oh, man. Still, that makes it even more nerve-wracking. If she's She was taking like 30 seconds to respond to every single thing. It wasn't that long. It, it was, was like pretty seconds. long. It was like 10 seconds. It is a long time. It's very long. And um, I think Angela has developed this really beautiful, ambivalent face mm-hmm. that she uses a lot where she's not quite happy but she's not quite judgmental so it's like mysterious and she kind of had that mask on especially the whole time she was interacting with that guy that was hitting on her and I think um that kind of because she pauses a lot like not just here just kind of she does that she always thinks before she speaks I think it works because of that yeah but I mean he doesn't know that and I mean he's going out on a lot of limbs and I think you know, him being FBI was able to... Because you could see that he ends up bullying her into this date by the end of it. Well, yes. Um, because, you know, as soon as she says no, he uh, he's like, you're not supposed to be here. I'm going to escort mm-hmm. you out and things get bad. And she's so smart by kind of... Because this man, obviously... He's abusing it, his power. Yes. And so she kind of comes at him as like, Oh, you know, you're you're gonna give up that easily. I was interested the whole time, and that makes him feel like he was successful. Yeah, and that boosts his ego enough for him to let her go. Although the only part I didn't like about it was he just left without yeah questioning her at all. He's just like, okay, okay, I got what I needed, and yep, just off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. Doesn't and check to make sure she leaves or anything. Why was nobody there? Like, I get that they're moving out. I get it. But it's halfway through the last day. There would still be people there packing up stuff. And it's a a half hour until lunch. It's not, like, dead. There's still people in this office, yeah. Especially FBI. They don't get paid well. Especially in this post-apocalyptic world. No. If they get paid at all. Yeah, I know it's not post-apocalyptic, but that's the best thing I can think of at the time. Post-economic. Oh, there we go. Post-economic world. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I found it iffy how empty it was just from the get-go. I'm willing to forgive 
just because that whole sequence was so good. Yeah. But I am mad about it. I love that they taught Angela how to how to code and and they were realistic about you know her struggling with it and I and we have that moment where she's saying the uh, affirmations to herself mm-hmm. like I will have success I will have success and they're kind of looking at her like okay mm-hmm. and Darlene's like whatever gets it done yeah, I mean I just love how they also use every bit of Murphy's law if it can go wrong it will go wrong oh with, yeah with her scene because. At first, it wasn't coming up when she went to the bathroom. Uh, at first, I thought she was just doing a terrible job dusting her fingerprints. I felt like she was leaving as many behind as she was wiping. I know. Like, the first time when she wiped for it, and then she immediately just grabbed it again, I was like, Angela! <laughs> Do you not understand the point of this exercise? Angela! <laughs> like, but, I mean, she eventually okay. gets all of that. But I'm feeling that she's going to have left a fingerprint in some place. But then the entire thing just is like, yeah, we don't feel like working. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the Wi-Fi is down, which I found kind of like, okay, we're fabricating a problem because we need to end this episode on a cliffhanger because they've loved doing that lately. Yeah. Um, and so, so is she back at her desk when she's working on the Wi-Fi thing, when she's typing, or is she back in the FBI's? No, she's at her desk. Okay. Because for some reason, I thought she was back up in the FBI's thing. Well, that's why I was upset. Because, you know, Darlene goes, go back to your desk and we'll fix it. And I'm like, okay, so the whole building's Wi-Fi is down. I would have believed it if, like, that floor's Wi-Fi was down. Because you know a place like that has Wi-Fi by floor. Yeah. I would have believed that because they're moving out. But then she goes back to her desk to apparently fix the whole building's Wi-Fi. No. Well, and to my knowledge, you're not going to be able to fix Wi-Fi from a computer. You need to actually be at the router. Yeah. And the so modem. I, I don't, I, I'm not an expert. You're not an expert, but no. it doesn't sound right. If anyone is better with computers and would love to let us know, please do. Yes. Because at, for as much research as they do, I, I would like to think that they got this right, but it just doesn't feel like they did. I can see them hoping that the suspense of the scene would kind of carry over naysayers, which it still does because I'm still happy with it. But that doesn't stop people like us. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we nitpick a lot. I mean, we like seeing a lot of the details and everything that a lot of people might not have caught. And so there's that. And also, did you see USA's little Easter egg inside of the code? The USA.com? Yeah. Loved yeah. USAnetwork.com. Loved it. I was like, aww. USA. Good, good way to just shout out yourself. Plugging yourself all over the place today. A little humble brag. There we go. Bit, you know. And, well, I mean, they're best drama on TV right now. Yeah, there's nothing much competing with them right now. I mean, I guess Fear the Walking Dead's going. <laughs> I'm sorry. Why but, would you even say that? Yeah, you know, I got in a Facebook argument with somebody who said they were starting to like Fear again, and it's just atrocious. Liking Fear the Walking Dead is like. It's like what? Supporting underwritten characters. Okay. Like. Well, I mean, you love I underwritten characters. I love my character with plot holes. That's how I like them. I mean, I can get behind some characters with plot holes or just like the underdog. Like in the movie Nerve, the little guy who loved the main character but was never going to get her. I loved him. I mean, that's an underwritten character with plot holes. I'm sure his name is Sam, because their names are always Sam. Oh, well, the, the guy from iCarly, Sam. Sam or Tyler. 
or Jimmy. Just names where you're like, oh, Tyler. Very you're basic. never going to get... Emily. You know. Lindsay. Margot. Okay, well, no one's going to get Margot. Get out of I mean. here. <laughs> anyway, now that we're completely off topic. Whatever, it's fine. Yeah. We go um, back. I think the, the last uh, part about Angela was when she sees... Their black, their dark army. Well, that was contact. beforehand, but I really like that we brought this guy back, and I don't like how she handled it though. I wanted her to like straight up be like, "Hey, you know, I know who you are." I wanted the drama to happen, but I, I okay, I don't like how she handled it, but it makes sense for her character that she would make the decision to play her cards close to her chest because every time she's been kind of vocal, she's been struck down. It was very passive-aggressive, but it was in a way to where Darlene knows something's up. It was like everyone in that room knows that it wasn't just a case of mistaken identity. And so I don't like that she just tried to brush it under the rug like it was. Well, I don't think that that's what happened. I think it's because they need her and they're on a timeline. They just don't have time to mess with it. They're just going to be like, okay, we're going to believe you for now. I'm sure... Next episode, it'll come up. Yeah, I think Darlene's definitely going to bring this back up. I will actually well, be upset if she doesn't. Especially with, um, I want to know what they injected into that guy's finger. You know, we have no idea what the Dark Army is into, but... That was also really gross, like, well... It was tough to watch. Now, yeah. I'm not a big fan of injections. Or fingernail stuff. Oh. Like, Black Swan kind of... Daredevil, when they uh, had stick. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, that or, was the worst. Uh, freaking Game of Thrones. <laughs> I'll sing like a bird. I'll tell you whatever you want to know. They, they like, they're just going to pull out, like, the, the fingernail pullers, and you and I are going to be like, I surrender. <laughs> what do you need? I've watched too much TV. I'll tell you whatever you want. <laughs> I got $10 in the left heel of my boot. Like, you can have it. It's not that important. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And now we're back to our favorite FBI agent who is way too smart to be a field agent. Like, yeah. Th this girl is the classic case of I'm too good for my position and we're going to give her as much screen time as possible. I just, I... She's too I smart. Hate, I hate and love that stereotype because it shows the reality of the glass ceiling but i don't like looking at the reality of the glass ceiling you know yeah um especially since they're trying to tell her that she's you know psychologically inept which it makes sense i mean a bunch of her friends died but um so but that's they're saying oh you're being over emotional we're not going to listen to your flawless logic well no it's interesting because they're finally giving this role to a woman you know, this is always a guy. They're like, oh, no, you can't be taken. You just saw all your people die. You're just gun happy now. And she's like, this time now it's a woman. And it's more of a, you've seen too big of a tragedy. You know, how do we know what you're saying is true? Kind of reminds me of, um, oh, my God, Elliot on Law & Order Special Victims Unit. Uh -huh, I love that show. But, yeah, that happens to him, like, every third episode. <laughs> He'll go a little gun crazy or something, and they'll be like, Elliot, 
you're too close to the case. You need to take a break. And he's like, I will never, as long as there are children that aren't safe, I will never take a break. And that's kind of what they're playing off of here a bit. And, um, you know, without all that drama. But But anyway. (laughs) No, I mean, she's exactly, I mean, we didn't get to see the end to where the person ended up turning the gun to them. And we we thought she was going to die, or at least I did. But not really because she's too integral to the season. I was kind of pissed off that they didn't show the end of that scene. It felt like Game of Thrones. They reached their quota for off-screen deaths. Well, I mean, (laughs) this show's got a a lot smaller budget, I gotta figure. And so that there was only so much high action-packed stuff that they can do. And so I'm a lot more willing to write it off for USA than I am for HBO Game of Thrones. I mean, all they would have had to do... And I know this is totally done a million times. But all they would have had to do is she's behind the thing. You know the guy's creeping up on her cut to black gunshot. And you're like, oh, she's dead. Blah, blah, blah. But then we know in the next scene we see with her where she's like, he turned the gun on himself. Why would he do that? Yeah. So that's all they needed to do. But. I mean, I guess in that instance, yeah, I can see why you're definitely upset. But I saw it as having to redo the entire scene, come back to it for the opening. And, I mean, just with the way that this episode opened, I was okay with us not flashing back to a high action-packed sequence of... Well, I don't even want them to flash back to it. You wanted to like been done in the last episode. a elongated ending of the original scene. Yeah. And, I don't know. I liked how they ended it in just suspense to where we thought we were going to come back to it, but we just didn't. And I was and I was okay with it. I mean, I definitely think that yours would have had a great feeling and everything, and I would have been perfectly happy if that's how they ended up shooting it. But since they didn't, I'm not that upset with it. I can't turn the continuity off. Yeah. Yeah. Just not going to be able to happen? No. Are you a little upset about them just randomly going back and trying to paint Elliot and his group, you know, F Society, as the bad guys and as the people for the reason that this deli shop is getting closed. Um. Because, I mean, I definitely felt like we were supposed to be like, oh, you know, yeah, F F Society. You know, they're not here helping us. They put us I, in this mess. I, I, parsh- okay. I had a lot of feelings about that scene. All right. Um, number one, I'm glad that we gave people a reminder. Oh, yeah, the world is, the economy's tanked. Remember that. So, yeah, I did like that. Um, I liked that we see Dom, like, just freaking, like, it's her version of post-traumatic freakout mm-hmm. that she's so desperate to connect with this random man. I mean, she is absolutely desperate to get to know every single thing about this man i feel like she wants to be invited home for dinner exactly so i think that was really well done um i didn't like the man's performance because he acted like he was blaming her in a way because he was so and i know i know his store is closing i know it sucks i know he's sad and stuff like that but he'd always been very kind to her before so i thought he might be a little more forthcoming um I definitely like that we've kept the complicated relationship between, like, did they do the right thing or not? Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, I think they did do the right thing. 
we just didn't know what the fallout was going to be. And we didn't think that it would be this serious and that you would have to continue attacking them. Yeah. How do you fight a war that can't be seen and might not be able to be won? You know, and I guess in a sense that's every war right now. Like, what are they really... Trying to do. Doing. Because all we've really seen them do is, like, continue to smear Evil Corp's name, which they should be doing. But... What's the ultimate goal here? Because they've got no plan for, you know, infrastructure. No, and they're trying to prevent a bailout to prevent all the work that they've put together. Because, I mean, what does a bailout for Evil Corp do? Does that reenlist everyone's debts? Does that get their systems back up and running? Like, does it Does it just fill people's bank accounts again? Like, that doesn't sound like the worst thing like people are really struggling well i don't we we've seen that bailouts don't go to the people so i don't well, think it's going to we've also to... seen that this show kind of is unrealistic about that yeah well i mean the rich will stay rich so i mean them being able to i know it's kind of going back on what i said but it's a lot more believable that they're able to find 5.6 million dollars than a bailout going back to the American people is what I'm yeah, saying. I agree with you. Like they would just end up getting more bonuses and everything. Oh, look, we got E Corp back up and running. We deserve bonuses. Yeah. You know, more than, Oh, let's put this back in everybody's bank account so they can start withdrawing actual money again. Well, that's, but they are, you know, they are trying to collect on those debts, and how are people supposed to pay debts if they don't have any money? Well, and they're also trying to collect on things that were already paid. And so it's we don't... Be bitcoins. Yeah, but we haven't... Bitcoins re- will finally become a thing. I mean, bitcoins are with a 100% a thing. Like, oh, I know, but people tried to, like, invest money to make them, like, a worldwide thing, not, like, a deep web thing. Remember yeah. when that happened, like, seven years ago? Which is also interesting. I wonder if Ray's business is being ran off of Bitcoin. And I wonder if he... It has to be. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we would think so. But it that could be an interesting way to spend this season. Is making Bitcoin an actual currency. And If they haven't brought it up by now, now that we're halfway through the season, they probably won't. But I can see it being at least a detail. Yeah, because, I mean, these people have to be paying for all these services one way or another, and Bitcoin just seems like the most logical way to do it, but I'm not sure. I'm sorry, now I'm just thinking about all those people I knew who didn't go to college and just invested all their money in Bitcoin. It's like, are they just on the Silk Road now, or what happened to them? (laughs) What what are they doing? What are they doing? Do I need to make contact with them? I knew, like, four or five guys who took their college money and invested it in Bitcoin, and I've never heard from them. Like, are they alive? Probably not. Their soul will run forever on the deep web. <laughs> yep. Silk Road, which was shut down. Oh, well. Well, that one. True, true. The original. Um, I'm trying to think if there's really any other main things in this episode. I mean, good episode. Definitely keep it coming. USA, I'm like... Almost forgiving you for your playback system. 
Well, maybe if you just started recording it like a normal human I being. Di- I, hey, hey, I watched it on TV this time. There we go. Like a human. I didn't, you know what, I didn't even watch the Olympics, which is all I've been doing. And I watched Mr. Robot instead. So there's some dedication. I'm hopped up on drugs, and I'm missing the Olympics for you guys. So. There we go. Well, if we missed anything, if you liked what we said, or you just have some constructive criticism, please feel free to hit us up at Bleed TV Podcast on Facebook or Bleed TV at or at Bleed TV Podcast on Twitter. We would love to uh, have some conversations with y'all. Or you can email us at bleedtvpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, I'm Cash. And I'm Larissa.